Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, hello, hello. I am happy to be on the call with you all tonight. Oh, how good it is to know that <laughs> all we have to do is pick up the phone and we can connect into community. Isn't that awesome? I think it's awesome. So we're going to uh, begin tonight like we did um, last week. And we're going to start by uh, putting everybody on mute uh, just for the first part of class. And then we'll pray in, we'll do a little meditation, and then I'll offer a little teaching from a uh, piece of pieces of the course, and then we'll discuss it. And then um, I'll take the mute off, and people can ask questions, and we can uh, do a little dialogue going on. So um, let's all just comfortable. You can uncross your arms and your legs or or sit uh, in lotus position if that's what feels the most comfortable to you. I do invite you to keep your spine erect, the nice and straight spine. Just take a few deep breaths in and out. And with each exhale, we just release a little more tension. So we relax the bottom of our feet and we relax our tummy and relax our shoulders and our hands and our jaws. And we even visualize the skin around our eyes and ears relaxing. Just breathing, taking the opportunity to let your day go. And here in this relaxed space, gently allow your attention to lightly fall on your breath. You inhale and exhale. Each breath, we just sink a little more deeply into the space. Present. Holy Spirit, we offer this class to you. We completely hand it over. We trust that the perfect grouping 
of people are here tonight to express the most healing, miraculous experience available for each and every person. We offer up any block that might prevent us from getting the highest lesson for us to receive. We let go of any fear or shame or discontentment. Let it all go. We just breathe with an open heart and open And we dedicate this practice to our true perception, our true self, that we may see and feel clearly our true nature. Knowing, too, that as we become more aware, as we allow more healing to unfold, as we allow more light to express through us that Everyone feels the benefit. Everyone gets to receive the healing benefits of our commitment. So we're just sharing all the good, sharing all the life with everyone, all sentiency, because we're one with it. And grace and gratitude, we release this word with So, I thought I would read actually the introduction to the course. because it serves as a platform for the discussion I'd like to have tonight, which I think is a really great conversation. So the introduction of The Course in Miracles, and feel free to read along with me if you would like to, it's uh, before the text, before Chapter 1. The introduction states, This is a Course in Miracles. It is a required course. Only the time you take it is voluntary. Free will does not mean that you can establish the curriculum. It means only that you can elect what you want to take at a given time. The course does not aim at teaching the meaning of love, but that is beyond what can be taught. It does aim, however, at removing the block to the awareness of love's presence, which is your natural inheritance. The opposite of love is fear, but what is all-encompassing can have no opposite. The course can therefore be summed up very simply in this way. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. I love the section that it says, the course does not aim at teaching the meaning of love for that is beyond what can be taught. It does aim, however, at removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence, which is your natural inheritance. 
So I think it's sort of brilliant because for so long I tried to teach what God was and what love is. And I think that a lot of people can spark very intellectual debates about that idea. But also it incites a need to be right, I think, a lot. And um, we've seen the devastation <laughs> that that's created as a result of needing to be right. Think of all the times in your life that you just had to be right, you just had to be right, and the cost of that rightness was your happiness. <laughs> so it doesn't teach the meaning of love, but it does uh, aim, however, at removing the block to the awareness of love's presence. And that's what we do. That's what I do as a spiritual teacher. That's what we do is we offer tools that can support people in removing the block to the awareness of love's presence. And... Tonight, I'd like to talk about our true identity. Our true identity. And, uh, but to do that, we should also get clear as to what are the blocks that we can remove so that we can have a clear understanding of who we truly are. What we truly are. So I'd like to go to a, um, uh, it's actually a part of the workbook uh, for students. And it's lesson 252. So uh, you can feel free to open up 252, lesson 252 in the workbook for students. And lesson 252 says, Myself is holy beyond all the thoughts of holiness of which I now conceive. So just right there, right off the bat, remember the first thing in the introduction, what the, the, the section I read in the introduction, we read in the introduction was, we don't aim, uh, of course, do not aim at teaching the meaning of love, for that is beyond what can be taught. So think about this, myself is holy beyond the thoughts of holiness of which I now conceive, meaning we can't even conceive how holy we are. Just the same as like we're not trying to teach what love is because it can't be taught. It's beyond what we can understand operating from the belief systems that are active in our awareness. So right off the bat, it says, I'm holier than I can even imagine. I can't even conceive at how holy I am. I cannot conceive at how, of how good I actually am. It goes on to say, it's shimmering and perfect purity is far more brilliant than is any light that I have ever looked upon. Its love is limitless, with an intensity that holds all things within it. In the calm of quiet certainty, 
Its strengths come not from burning impulses which move the world, but from the boundless love of God himself. How far beyond this world myself must be, and yet how near to me and close to God. And then it goes into a beautiful little prayer. Father, you know my true identity. Reveal it now to me who am your son, that I may waken to the truth in you and know that heaven is restored to me. Hmm. Isn't that beautiful? So it's inviting us to, this is a lesson, so it gives us, uh, you know, it asks us to meditate on this lesson that I'm holier than my, you're thinking your biggest definition of holy, and that doesn't even touch how holy you truly are. And what's great is you've never not been that holy. So let's pause for a minute and ask ourselves, well, then, WTF? (laughs) What have I been believing about myself that would cause me to have all of the experiences of being anything but holy? Those are the blocks, the beliefs that we have gathered throughout our life, beginning with, I'm this body, I'm separate from everyone, (laughs) I'm separate from everything, I'm my own island, I'm my own entity. Beginning with that, we have created a file, a case against our holiness. We have looked for Fruit. We have we have lifted every rock. We have gone to the furthest reaches of our capability to find evidence that we are not holy. We have placed ourselves in situations and around people that will affirm that we are a burden, that we are annoying, that we are incapable and stupid and unlovable and unattractive that we are um, poverty-stricken, that we are uneducated, that we are whatever it is. We are unworthy, unlikable, and just not good enough. There's something wrong with me. And the only thing that is wrong is your perception of yourself. So I don't tend to get into too much theory because, uh, you know, I honestly feel like there's this great line in the course that says the ego analyzes where spirit accepts and allows, right? So meaning the ego will spend time trying to get a clear understanding of how it all happened, which really is not the point of the game. The point of the game is to remove the blocks to um, the awareness of love's presence, right? And within that, everything will be answered. All things will be given if we just continue to remove the blocks to the awareness of love's presence. Within love is pure wisdom, okay? But it does say uh, in chapter 27 in 
the section, the hero of the dream, section 27, uh, uh, chapter 27, section 8. Into eternity where all is one, there crept a tiny mad idea at which the Son of God remembered not the last. In his forgetting, did he did the thought become a serious idea and possible of both accomplishment and real effect? So that is the sort of the creation philosophy, uh, but it's the creation of, I, I won't say the creation, it's how the illusion was made, the belief, the idea of separation into eternity where all is one. There comes a tiny mad idea. That tiny mad idea was, what would it be like to be separate from God? Now, that is impossible. It is impossible to be separate from God. That's why it's a tiny mad idea at which the Son of God remembered that last, that, that, that Christ, which is that which God made, forgot the last at the absolute uh, lunacy of the possibility of being separate from God. It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. Where we are, God is. All the time, there's never a time where God is not active. There will never be a time where God is not here, present with us. There's no place where God is not. And all the attributes of God are pre-installed within each and every one of us because God can only create that which is like itself. So the Christ is an extension of God. The Christ is what God made. We are part of that Christ. We are part of the perfect creation, the perfect extension of God. Now, a way that I teach this is like this. So think of it like this. Think of the ocean. Okay? Think of the ocean. Now, let's say that you and I were each were drops of water in the ocean. Okay? We are drops of water in the ocean. So that means that every part of us is ocean water. There's not one part of us that is not ocean water. We are, in fact, connected to the entirety of the ocean. doesn't matter if, you're in, if, if you are a drop of water off the shore of Malibu in the Pacific Ocean. You are still connected to that same ocean all the way over on the, by on the shores of Japan. So as that drip of water, every aspect of us is God, is the ocean. But we're not the entirety of the ocean. We're that aspect of the ocean connected to the entirety of the ocean, not the entire ocean. And that's my understanding. That's how I work with the idea of true identity that I am a little drop of God. I am, and but, that, but all of me is God. There's nothing unlike God in any of me, and yet for some reason, I've forgotten it. 
I've forgotten it. So we come into this, what people, a lot of questions call the illusion, with a belief in separation. Now, it says that we're, so talking about like all of the misery, all the fear, all the pain we experience in life comes from this belief that we, a subconscious belief that we somehow separated ourselves from God, which is impossible. And in order to do that, we had to kill God in order to be individual. All right? And so that subconscious guilt has dictated so many, all of our experiences in life until the light begins to enter, until we begin to understand that, oh, it was a mistake. I didn't kill God. I'm not separate from God because that's impossible. That would be like a drop in the ocean just thinking it's separate from God and moving about its whole life in this deep guilt thinking that it separated itself from the ocean. This deep, overwhelming guilt that it separated itself from the ocean even though it's still in the waves, still flowing along, still connected to everything. And so it would be crazy thinking so this guilt has manifested itself into feelings of unworthiness, experiences of not goodness. It's this subconscious guilt, this belief that we killed God, which we never did, this belief that we separated ourselves from God, which we never did, that fuels this investigation against ourselves. This endless, time-consuming, exhausting investigation into a false reality in which I am separate, I am little, and I am unworthy of love. I'm not deserving of love because I killed my creator. And so we've developed this identity crisis in which we are something other than what we truly are. We believe it. We believe it so deeply that we allow our whole life to manifest around that belief. So how do we do that? What do we do? So we'll believe that, let's say, um, there's a belief that we are bad. Okay? So that was a real belief of mine. I had this, this, feeling, this essence in me that I was just like bad, that no matter what I did, um, everything I did that was like a kind of service and all that stuff, that was somehow fake and phony, that I was trying to prove to myself that I was something that I was not, because I knew that deep down inside, I was bad. Well, that's not true. Of course I wasn't bad. But to prove myself right, I started participating in behavior that I believed could be cataloged under bad. I remember when I was a uh, kid, I would steal from stores. I loved to steal office supplies. (laughs) And I just thought that was so bad, and I didn't tell anybody. It was my own little secret. It continued to go and manifest into alcohol and drug abuse, uh, you know, promiscuity, all things that were extensions of this 
belief that I had that I was somehow bad and I was proving myself right. But what began to happen for me is there was still a part of me that remembered my goodness. There's a part of me that remembered the truth of who I was. And, um, but that part kept getting smaller and smaller. It felt like it was getting more quiet and more quiet. And what was getting more prominent was this identity crisis, this, this thought that I was um, this bad person. And I started to enroll more people in my life to affirm that was true about me and less people in my life that would affirm that, no, I was good, I was loving, I was great. And then I started to get confused. Why can't people see that I'm a good person? And then the calling got louder and louder in my life. This call to remember my truth because I wasn't resonating with this other person that I was, that I was pretending to be, that I created. And it got so painful that I began to really abuse drugs and alcohol to try to quiet it. Well, I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to let go of drugs and alcohol because with that clarity, it gave me enough space to begin an inward journey. And that's exactly what happened. Um, Immediately, as soon as I got sober, I started to um, take steps towards removing the blocks the awareness of love's presence. And the more clarity I had and the more I committed to that, the all of a sudden, you know, the people that were reminding me of how awful and broken I was just seemed to leave my sphere. <laughs> I started to enroll myself into spiritual communities uh, with people that were really interested in living active, abundant, happy, healthy lives that were speaking to my potential, not trying to cut me down. I began to develop practices that could support me when those fearful, separation, guilty thoughts would arise. I was able to learn how to recognize them, look at them, and then release them. I'm still working on that to this day. But the more I created the space to allow love's presence to express through me, the more my life changed. And it was little by little. It was one block at a time. Those blocks are our thoughts. And so one thought at a time, when it would arise, I would pause and stop and ask myself, is this true? Is this really true? Well, now I know, you know, thanks to Force and Miracles, I can really read and say with authority, I am love. Because I read this, and this resonates with such truth to me. I read these words, and I think, yes, I remember it. It's as if I wrote them myself. And I know that part that is remembering it is my true self, confirming for me. That's right. Yes, right here. You are loved. You are worthy. There's nothing else that you could possibly be. Anything else would be a fantasy. And so now, I'm so grateful that when I have a moment of feeling upset, or being grumpy or depressed or whatever it is, 
I'm so grateful for those moments because now I can gauge, ooh, that doesn't feel good. And I know that if I'm not feeling good, I'm believing something that isn't true. And now I have the tools to explore that, go into inquiry, let it go, and affirm what is true about me, that I am holy. I am holy. Father, you know my true identity. Reveal it now to me, who am your son, that I may awaken to the truth in you and know that heaven is restored to me. So it's handing it over. It's enrolling the Holy Spirit, which is our bridge to truth, our bridge to heaven. The Holy Spirit is the voice, is like the messenger of God here that is whispering to us, guiding us, showing us the easiest path to awakening to light to heaven. Father, you know my true identity. God, you know who I am. I am one with you. I'm still one with you. Reveal it now to me who I am your son. Show me my true self that I may wake into the truth in you, that I may wake up and understand the truth of who I am and know that heaven is restored to me, that true vision is restored to me so I can see clearly the truth of myself and here's the kicker of others. There's one last little section that I... I this great little section uh, in chapter 3. It said, The ego is a wrong-minded attempt to perceive yourself as you wish to be. It's a wrong-minded attempt to perceive yourself as you wish to be. We wish to be separate. We want to be individual. Think about how, you know, how much, like, individuality is so phrased and, like, how we're so quick to find a tribe to where we can separate ourselves from other people including your spiritual community, will do it. I'm spiritual, you see. That's how I identify. That's what makes me different than everybody else. But remember, we're all holy. We're all one in God. We're all the same. I mean, think of all the ways that people separate themselves, that we separate ourselves. There's um, by our bodies, by our race, by our cultures, by the sex we are, by the sex we like, our sexual orientation, by the jobs we have, by the food we eat, what specific diet we're in, what kind of exercise we like to do. You know, think of all of the ways that we separate ourselves from um, other people. Uh, okay, maybe I... Oh, I can't find the other... Oh, here it is. The Bible tells you, this is uh, chapter 3, Perception versus Knowledge, section 5. The Bible tells you to know yourself or to be certain. Certainty is always of God. When you love someone, you have perceived him as he is. And this makes it possible for you to know him. I love that. Until you first perceive him as he is, you cannot know him. What's that, what's that saying? It's the invitation to also look at the people in your life. Because if you are seeing them as anything other than love, then you're not really seeing them. You're seeing them as perhaps the false identity that they've created about themselves, or you're projecting your own separation judgments and guilt onto them. 
So think about your coworkers. Is there a coworker that rubs you the wrong way? I don't like her. She's out to get me. He's always so mean to me. He's always talking down to me. Da 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 da. Our job, and remember, last week we talked about true forgiveness. When we see the face of Christ reflected back to us, this is the same thing. It's inviting us to consider to see the innocence, the perfect love in our brothers and sisters. And until we can see the perfect love in them, then we're not really seeing them. Isn't that wild? You're not really seeing. You don't really know anybody until you only know them as love. Everything else is a fictitious story that either they created or you are projecting onto them. And so as we continue to remove the block to the awareness of love's presence, that includes our judgments and opinions that we carry about other people. So I'm going to take the, everybody off of mute. Before I do that, I'm going to invite you, uh, everyone on the class, to place your personal handheld, your personal phone, on mute so that we can reduce background noise. And then uh, if you have questions or thoughts or you'd like to contribute to the conversation, you just simply uh, unmute your phone and say what you'd like to say. So we're talking about our true identity and uh, this the separation myth and all of the blocks that are preventing us from experiencing ourselves, a true identity. You can unmute you now. So if you'd like to share, please do so. Well, now I know a few of the numbers on this call, and I know that um, you're not shy. So (laughs) I'm sure somebody has something to share here. Hey, Jesse. (laughs) I was waiting for it. I like to try to at least give the illusion that I'm giving the floor to other people. (laughs) (laughs) So I find that sometimes like the, for me, my work is often like, it's easy for me to remember that I'm (laughs) like the extension of God. It's like you said, um, the example you used, it's when those people that uh, trigger me, like it's it's that that's the work for me is like okay yeah they're also the extension of God, and that's the trickiest part for me. That's the the thing I think I work on like every single day. Yeah, the, your teachers. Yeah, and I, and I just need to learn. <laughs> so they well, stop triggering me. Think, how? What do you think the solution is? Um, you know, I think that I, I, I mean, I hit that pause button, like it's, it's almost like not even a pause, but a stop of where I, I just, I almost have to disengage. Like, I don't know how many times I've been on a, a phone call and just said, okay, I've got to call you back. <laughs> like, 
And then I hang up and I, I go into this, this place. I'm like, okay, they're an extension of God. They're perfect as they are. They're whole. <laughs> and then I'll call them back. And it might be like 10 minutes. It might be two hours. But, um, yeah. but for me, that's, that's what I find I have to do is I just, because I, I find that if I, if I stay in that moment and I stay like, um, uh, I'm trying to think how I want the language to this. Um, like if I stay in that moment where we're, where we're, we are both probably rubbing each other the wrong way, it's harder for me to find that, um, that love in them or to see that innocence in them. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to work on more is like being able to do it then and now versus like, like I said, having to remove myself and then go back in. It's like I have to take myself out, pray myself up, and then go in. Yes, and if you're if you're listening to this uh, all in the future, <laughs> this is we're right. talking to Stephen, our friend Stephen. Um, I just wanted to introduce you on the line to people who might be listening to the recording. Um, really great, Stephen. Great insight. So, you know, it comes back down to uh, it comes down to releasing our opinions and judgments. <laughs> painful stuff. It's really painful stuff. And, um, you know, there is that, there is that uh, distinction between unconditional love and unconditional like. You know, and I think that we guilt ourselves a lot for not liking everyone. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, there's just certain personalities that might not uh, be in the same, you know, vibrational tone, but on the same vibrational frequency. And um, it's either Marianne Williamson or I think Jacob quoted Marianne when she said, you can love them, but that doesn't mean you have to have lunch with them. You know, meaning if there are personalities that trigger you and you're working on being triggerless, then you can support yourself and not put yourself, Don't you don't have to take them to lunch to try to prove something. Like, I used to uh, put myself in situations that I knew would feel frustrating or I would be triggered so I could learn how to not be triggered. That didn't always work. Oftentimes, I would just get irritated, more irritated and annoyed, and then irritated at myself for going into judgment. So we don't have to, like, everything doesn't have to be an experiment in, in uh, you know, uh, transcending all personalities, including our own. But uh, it is a good indicator. If we're believing something that isn't true about somebody, we'll know because we'll find faults in them in some capacity. Uh, we'll find something, we'll find, you know, faults in their personality or we'll be in judgment. And so, how do we really work with that is we work with ourselves. We, we continue to, uh, we continue to do the work in loving ourselves on condition because usually people um, you know, if we get triggered, it's because we're 
seeing something in them that we're judging about ourselves. And they might be a gross exaggeration of this judgment that we have about ourselves, but if we're getting activated by it, it's because it's there within us. And so, again, we can go to gratitude and take it off of them. You know what I mean? Be like, oh, I'm so grateful that I'm feeling triggered right now because obviously something is coming up to be healed. Yeah. Um, and that's nine times out of ten, that's what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, a pretty awesome, that's a pretty awesome batting average, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's that tenth time, though, that I'm like, and then I go into the place where I, I beat myself up. I'm like, ah, Damn it, you missed the mark. Right. Yeah, that's no fun. And again, so we we practice that same forgiveness with ourselves. You know, we go right into forgiveness with ourselves. Of oh, it's okay. We had a we had a person moment. We had a people moment. <laughs> I love it. Um. You know, we talked last week, Stephen. I think you were on the call last week about. Uh, Compassion, you know, real compassion, and that's, you know, uh, true compassion is knowing the truth about yourself, about everyone, and holding the space for them while they figure it out for themselves. Mm-hmm. So just knowing that everybody is a child of God, how can they not be? That we're here, everybody is uh, a drop in the ocean, and all the qualities of the ocean are within them. But it's like, somebody who's mistaking themselves for a grain of sand when they're really a drop of, uh, you know, a part of the ocean. And so it's just, we can't blame them for not knowing who they are and they're not necessarily enrolling you to be the one to tell them. But we can practice. How do you think that we demonstrate these? How do you think we demonstrate, teach through our demonstration in those situations? Uh, you know, you demonstrate, you know, and that's the, you demonstrate by love. And I think that's one of those words that we've kind of like quantified, like love doesn't necessarily mean, um, you know, giving you a hug or, you know, saying something really, you know, airy fairy to you. Love in that moment might just be, I'm not going to cut your ass out. So, you know what I mean? Like, it, I think we've quantified it that love has to be these huge, big demonstrations. And I think that sometimes love speaks very quietly. And maybe it's like, okay, I'm not going to yell back at you like you're yelling now. Or I'm not going to push the same buttons in you that you're trying to push in me. That's how I'm going to demonstrate love to you in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. And you can also practice self-love in those moments as well because, you know, the only reason anyone is ever going to yell at you is because you believe that you deserve to be yelled at. And so a really loving thing, maybe how you demonstrate unconditional love is in that moment say, you know, I'm going to just stop right here because um, I, I don't let people yell at me. And so um, we're going to just take a pause. And maybe uh, it feels like it might be best to uh, take a breath or maybe we revisit this conversation when we can both approach it from a more peaceful place because um, I love myself and I I don't let people, I I don't put myself in situations where I get yelled at more. 
you know, know, yeah. Yeah. I had a, uh, an employee one time who that was her, her method of, of communication was to go right to the yelling place. And I, uh, and I just, I don't know. One time I just, I said, you know, I just, I kind of put my hand up. I said, okay, I feel like you're yelling because you think that you're not being heard. And you don't always have to do that. Like, I'm actually standing right in front of you, and I am listening to you. So we don't need to engage like this because you are being heard. And, like, and she actually started to, like, tear up, and she was like, I yell at everybody because I don't think anyone listens to me. I was like, oh, well, there you go. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's really Beautiful. And again, it wasn't some uh, teasing gesture. You were just pointing out that she didn't have to yell, that you were listening to her. Well, and then I saw, too, that it actually had nothing to do with me. Like, that that's why that her yelling had nothing to do with me. Yeah, and I'd say, too, I think it's a pretty great affirmation. It's a pretty great testament of how much you are loving yourself up because you weren't allowing yourself to be yelled at. Hmm. True. I hadn't thought of it like that. Yeah. So, you know, we are uh, reading in our practitioner class the uh, manual for teachers, and that section of uh, just in the introduction talks about, you know, oftentimes it does. it's not the words we say that are actually doing the teaching. That's what's underneath that or our actions, because, you know, our lives are, are teaching the efficacy, our lives teach the efficacy of our choices. Our lives will show people what choices we're making. They can't not. Thank you so much for sharing, Stephen. Um, I'd like to give somebody else the opportunity to share if, if, uh, if there's more questions or uh, thoughts or something you'd like to contribute? We're talking about our true identity and some of the blocks that might prevent us from the awareness of love presence. I'm gearing up to teach a class this Sunday on uh, the Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity, which is a book written by Edwine Gaines. She's this really fun prosperity teacher. And um, so in preparation, I've been really contemplating my thoughts about money. Uh, What's my money story? Because I know that 
the same principle applies to our finances, our our prosperity consciousness as this conversation here. Our true identity, you know, is perfect love. And an attribute, a quality of perfect love is abundance, is prosperity. And so if we're not experiencing prosperity, then we're not fully aligned with our true self. And so I've been thinking about some of the blocks that I've moved through in my life around finance and how that's manifested um, in my experience. Thoughts of, uh, you know, I always had this belief that I wasn't good with money, uh, probably because my dad told me that. about a million times and so I decided to believe him and um, but I didn't know any better and and he he said that out of concern you know he was trying to teach us to motivate us to get better with finance you know it came from a space of concern for his children probably concern for his bank account as well he didn't want to have to pay our bills for the rest of his life but um so, but I took it on, and I started to really believe that I was bad with my money. And so, like I said, uh, that was a big block that manifested as an experience, as my reality. Just like that initial separate thought of separation, what would it be like to be separate from God, which is impossible, I had the question, what would it be like to be bad with money? What would it be like to be shut off, cut off from my source? What would it feel like to um, always come up a little short? What would it feel like to have to scrimp and scrap and claw and beg for cash? What would it, what would the experience be to have money and then waste it? What would that be like for me? Hmm, let's go find out because I'm bad with money. So that's one belief I really had to feel in my life, I had to stop and uh, whenever like money anxiety would come up, I'd stop and I'd have to remind myself from that, gosh, everything always works out. All my bills always get paid. I've never been denied anything that I've ever truly desired, ever. So why would this time be the time that I would worry about it? Why would I um, bring that into the equation now? What's going on here? And it gave me more cause to do this work, to pause and examine the thoughts that I was thinking, look at the block that was preventing me from having an experience of peace in my life so I can let it go. And then what began to happen, slowly but surely, and I'm still working on it today, I haven't reached, uh, I'm almost to a level of real mastery. I would say I'm masterful and I'm becoming a Jedi warrior with prosperity and uh, financial freedom and abundance. Um, but there's still the, the residue of those fearful thoughts still arise sometimes. And I stop and I think, why is that coming up? Because I have absolutely no reason to think that it's not going to work out. I'm making money. I get paid to do what I love to do. I, everything is always paid on time. I am surrounded by, uh, I am so abundant in my relationships, in my community. I know that I'm taken care of no matter what. 
and start to affirm that and begin to remember, I am a child of God. All the qualities of God are in me. I am a drop of water in the ocean. All of the massiveness, all the abundance, all of the nutrients, all of the all of it of the ocean is pre-installed in me. It can't not be. So what am I worried about? Because I am hooked into infinite source, infinite good. Prosperity is in my bones. And that's when I start to affirm to myself. I remind myself. And sometimes I don't feel prosperous. And sometimes I don't feel like a child of God. And that's okay. It's just a feeling. It's not the truth. And so in those moments, I can go into prayer and say, I know that I'm a child of God. I know I am. I know I'm an extension of perfect love. I just don't feel like it right now. God, help me. Holy Spirit, remind me. Support me now. Lift me up. I am so committed to loving myself, to remembering my true identity right here, right now, that I'm willing to offer up any other belief block that I have that would prevent me from doing so. And so money is just one area of our life that we can do that with. But that goes for anything, relationships, health. You know, who's going through, who's ever had uh, challenges with their health? It's not about why is this happening to me. That's a, you know, uh, that's a, a habit that so many of us have. The Course says all healing is done at the level of the mind, meaning within God there is no disease. There's no bacteria, there's no illness in God. So instead of saying, why is this happening to me? We can say, what is this happening for? What is this for? What is this illness for? What do I have to learn? And listen, that can be challenging. I know how challenging that can be when you're in it. But that's the invitation, and that's where we're going towards. That's the level of mastery that we are um, committing to embodying in our lives so that we can really bring the light. What is it for? If you find yourself in a situation that feels challenging financially, what is this for? Holy Spirit, I give this to you. What is this for? What am I supposed to pull from this? Let me know what I need to know so I can live in love. And I don't need to know anything else. Let me know what I need to know so I can feel peace now. What is this for? Effie. Yes. Um, when you were saying that, I was thinking, whenever you make the statement, what is it for? It takes you out of being a victim. Because I love going into the mode of being a victim. Oh, like, oh, this is so... This, Thing is happening to me and whenever you use the words well what is what is this for this whatever it is I'm going through or so the opportunity there get it that way it's it's more it takes you out of being a victim that's See? great great yeah mm-hmm. so, really good. yeah so it, it I like I like what you just said about because I've been practicing that too, especially lately. You know, I'm like, okay, what is this for? What is my body telling me? What is this situation telling me? Rather than, oh, this is happening to me again. There goes the money or there goes, you know, the opportunity that I've been wanting. And instead of 
being in that um, frame of mind, I'm more, oh, okay, I'm, I'm getting an understanding. I may not understand it right this moment, but the knowledge and the wisdom will come from what it is I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's within. The awareness will come because the knowledge and the wisdom is already within, so we're just removing the block mm-hmm. to the... Uh, to the truth. You're, you're coming to the truth, and the truth is, is that we're not separated from God. We just believe we are, and the... Um, and we're allowing, we are allowing our uh, the outside forces, or if that's not even outside forces, we're allowing ourselves to believe this. Yep. And I yep. think, and that's all part of our journey, because our true, our true um, purpose is to reconnect to God, is to understand where we are. Mm-hmm. And. While you're learning this, I really invite you to support yourself by not fooling yourself. So if you don't, if you're not at a place where you really believe this, like if you're at a place where you really are interested in this, you believe it's true, but you're just, there's just been too much life under your belt there's too many experiences that it's a little challenging to swallow it all with one in one bite, then use the phrase, use the word willing, willing, willing. I am willing to be happy now. I am willing to be free now. I am willing to feel love now. I am willing, I am willing, I am willing. Instead of saying, I am love, I'm a part of God, I'm an extension of all uh, you know, infinite good, if that doesn't resonate with you, just start with willingness. Your willingness is all that is needed to invite the Holy Spirit, the bridge to God, the voice of God, into the fold. To start inviting it in, and it will start doing what it does, helping you remove the block. I am willing. You know, um, I was listening, I was in the Jacob Glass uh, class Saturday, and he gave us the tools to use that I just, I just felt like oh, the power is there with inside me. And one of the things that he suggested is that you go back and you actually take a piece of paper and pencil and you rewrite a bad experience that you went through or what you think is a bad experience and rewrite it to the outcome of being positive and loving. And I thought, and I don't know, I guess those words were really meant for me because I felt like there, I felt powerful at the thought of being able to do that. And the first thing I thought to myself is, I'm still going to rewrite all, you know, things that I still, still come up against every once in a while I find challenging. But I, I said I'm going to start with at the end of the night before I go to bed, I'm going to take one challenging situation I was in during that day and I'm going to rewrite it. And then when I go, and before I go to bed, I'm going to accept that as the truth instead of what went on that day or what I think went on that day. Hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, if there's no time and space, then why not? 
Yeah. It's about so I, really aligning with the energy and the essence of what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know, it's like you said, if you can't, like, bite off a big um, big chunk of what's going on and it's too much for you, then take a, a small bite. And I thought, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to go back to my childhood and do that yet, but I am going to go back to, you know, my at, at the beginning of my day or whatever it went through that day where I found myself at all challenged and rewrite that at least for that day and then and then go on from there and maybe it will go further back and further back and I know it's you know I have done a lot of forgiveness work but it's still there's still things that still come up and so the forgiveness work starts over again and I used to get frustrated with myself because I felt like, oh, my goodness, I'm writing a forgiveness letter almost every day of my life, <laughs> you know. And, I, and it was good. It was good. But it, that was just my perception of maybe I'm having to write too many forgiveness letters. And then I come to the acceptance that forgiveness letters are great. And if I can write it, then I will. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There's different periods where I'd write a forgiveness letter every day. But it's mm-hmm. feeling. It is feeling yeah. because true forgiveness, you know, is just setting people free. It's setting everybody free. Starting but, but you know what I've come to realize though, so, Jesse, I'm not setting them free, I'm setting me free. You by bet. setting Yeah. And what I realize that is uh, I can say, I love myself enough to forgive you for what you just did or forgive what happened twenty, thirty years ago because I, I deserve that freedom. <clears throat> and that's why I... Because I love myself enough now to to um, understand what the freedom of that means. And I love myself right. enough to see it. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing. Thank you, everyone, for sharing. Life is so great. We're definitely... I'm going to affirm, I'm going to say that we are definitely living in a state of miracles. And so... I just send you all out with waves and waves of love and light as you complete your day today or as you go about your day today, if you're listening to this as recording, just knowing that where you are, God is, that you are holier than you can even comprehend, and that all the fears, all the judgments, all the shames are washing away now in the, the, oh, the rays of your light. Oh, how good, how good it is to know the truth of who we are. And I just allow this to be our closing blessing, and I send you all out with love and gratitude and peace and joy and all those good things. And I invite you all to come back next week, 6.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and we'll continue our journey through the Course of Miracles. Have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your night. Take care. God bless. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.